So this morning, we're going to talk about several things. Uh, we're going to use the scripture in Acts where we're at in order to lead us in the ministry of the word. But I wanted to take a moment and I wanted to give some vision to what we see taking place here before us today, to what God is going to continue to build upon, to what God is going to continue to do as we reach downtown Orlando. It was about seven or eight years ago, I remember being on staff at Cross Point Lake Nona, and the heartbeat of Cross Point is to point our communities to Jesus Christ. That's our mission. We want to see the communities that God places our churches in be communities that are fervently in love with the Lord Jesus Christ. And we believe that God has put us in this place for a reason, and that's to point our communities to Jesus Christ. And even today, being in downtown Orlando, the heartbeat of our church is that we would point our city, the city of Orlando, to Jesus Christ. And so when we begin to pray for that in, in a, uh, seven years ago, we, we prayed for that. Uh, that has been our heartbeat for a long time. But we began to realize that we, we're not going to be able to reach Orlando unless we reach the Latino population. We're not going to be able to reach Orlando unless we're reaching Spanish speakers in our city and in our communities. And so we began to pray that God would send us a leader, that God would send us people that would be passionate about reaching other Spanish speakers for the Lord Jesus Christ. And God gave us that answer in Pastor Miguel and his wife, Carmen. So Pastor Miguel, why don't you come up? Pastor Miguel, and I've known you for about five years, right. and, and we have lots of stories we could tell, don't we? We do. We do. I'm not going to tell any of them. If Thank you. Don't. you. <laughs> okay, great. At least not uh, in front of the Espanol people. That's right. That's right. Um, same here. You can tell all the stories you want to those who are with you, but no. Anyway, uh, Miguel and I, we have been in many uh, meetings and conversations, uh, many prayer gatherings, and uh, we, we did seminary together. We both got our master's degree in church planning together. And uh, you slept on an air mattress in my parents' house one night. Yeah. So, wow, I didn't even give you the bed. I can't believe it. Actually, I'm used to that treatment. That's okay. <laughs> yes. Yes. I think I offered it to you, if I remember right. Because you are older than me. And so I had to respect my elders. Oh. <laughs> um, but... Uh, uh, but but let me give some vision as to why we're here today. Um, Orlando is the ninth most unchurched city in the United States of America. Number nine out of all the cities in our vast country, in our growing nation. Uh, we are number nine as far as people that do not go to church. That's 51% of the people that you see every day in and around you, 51% of those people have not stepped into a church in over six months. 51% of the people that are around you within your daily routines, your daily things that you take part of at your work, at your schools, in your neighborhoods, 51% of the people are, are, are not passionately following the Lord Jesus Christ. And for us, we want our city to be filled with the praises of God. And so, uh, Miguel, wh why don't you share some of the heartbeat of Cross Point Espanol? And I know you've told me before that, uh, you, that seeing Christ in the center of the city. Now, how do, how do you say that? Cristo en el centro de tu ciudad. Christ in the center of the city. Exactly. 
We, um, by God's grace, uh, one of the things that I'm most thankful for is the fact that uh, when Crosspoint uh, prayed about the, uh, the chance of planting a Spanish-speaking congregation, they really put uh, their, uh, their actions where, the, where their mouth was. They really backed up what they were saying with actual resources. And because of that, we were able to launch Crosspoint Espanol in April of 2015. So this Easter Sunday, we should be able to celebrate four years of God's faithfulness. We are so thankful for that. We are so thankful for you to, to Crosspoint because you make this possible. Thank you so very, very much. Um, at the risk of pointing out the obvious, you look around and you realize that uh, the, 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 the inflow of people of, uh, uh, to whom Spanish is their first language. So I'm not, I'm not just talking about the Hispanic population among us. There is a huge, um, the, the, a great portion of them are people like me, first generation Spanish speakers. And those numbers shot up beyond all control last year. Um, for the last... Almost 30 years, there has been a steady flow of people from Puerto Rico coming here. For um, It started out, they, they, were, they were first attracted by the theme parks and then uh, just uh, financial stability, period. And then uh, 2015, 2016, there was an increase in people uh, fleeing Venezuela and coming, uh, and coming to Orlando. And they, and they were about to take over. And then Hurricane Maria happened. And... Uh, uh, I'm trying to remember the uh, I'm trying to remember the statistics, but hundreds of thousands ended up coming to uh, uh, coming to Florida, and most of them settled in Orlando. So I remember reading yeah. the statistics: uh, three hundred thousand came to the state of Florida, mm -hmm. of which one hundred and fifty thousand settled in Central Florida, mm -hmm. and a great deal of them uh, in Orange County. Exactly, most of them in Orange County. Mm -hmm. so, yeah. yeah, yeah, and. Um, uh, in Acts, we've been uh, studying this series on being witnesses. Uh, uh, Jesus says in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And I believe that we have a, a remarkable privilege in the United States to have the ends of the earth right here before us. In fact, we are the ends of the earth. We are an answer to Jesus's prayer for his disciples. And so uh, I want to, um, we're going to see a little bit later in our time that uh, the church gathered together in the midst of this great opposition. And it says that they lifted their voices together to God in prayer. And I want to start our time in lifting our voices in one voice together to God in prayer. And so as Pastor Miguel and I pray, I ask that you would add your heartbeat behind us in prayer as we come with one voice together before our great and magnificent God. And with that one voice, we believe that his power, his might, his majesty, his glory is with us. And that his Holy Spirit will empower us to continue in fulfillment what Christ spoke. That we would be his witnesses to the ends of the earth. And would you join me in that prayer as our heartbeat together is to be united in reaching a city that's in the midst of a lost and broken world with the hope of the crucified Christ who is resurrected. Let's worship. God, we thank you. We thank you that right now, God, you are with us, that your presence is among us, 
And that God, as we offer to you these worship songs, the, our songs of praise, God, the fruit of our lips that confess your name, Lord. God, I trust that it brings you much pleasure here. I trust, God, that, that Father, you will give us the strength today to honor you, to glorify you, and to live for you. And that, God, I pray that today you would minister to us and you would minister through us. And that today, God, would be a marking point for Cross Point. Not just Cross Point Espanol or Cross Point Downtown, but God, today would be a turning point into going forward with boldness to reach a lost city. And that, God, you would give us fuel and empowerment today to walk in your ways, to do your will, and to trust your name. Heavenly Father, we... Your hand is so evident through everything that has taken place. And Lord, we are not intimidated at all by, by, by the fact that um, relations have gotten so tense since the last election season. Father, we realize that this, that this road to working together is going to be a long winding road that is going to require commitment. But Father, we know that all these hurdles that we find have been allowed by you so that we would not lean our, on our strength, but, Father, lean on you and your spirit. Ask for your power to help us, Lord. Help us come to terms with our spiritual bankruptcy, Lord. Let us welcome being weak and let us look to you for strength and let us be filled with faith like the Apostle Paul. To him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think, according to the power and work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. Buenos días. La palabra de Dios dice: Cuando quedaron en libertad, fueron a los suyos y le contaron todo lo que los principales sacerdotes y los ancianos les habían dicho. Al oír esto, unánimes alzaron la voz a Dios y dijeron, Oh Señor, Tú eres el que hiciste el cielo y la tierra, el mar y todo lo que en ellos hay. El que por el Espíritu Santo, por boca de nuestro Padre David, Tu siervo dijiste, ¿Por qué se enfurecieron los gentiles y los pueblos tramaron cosas vanas? Se presentaron los reyes de la tierra y los gobernantes se juntaron a una contra el Señor y contra su Cristo. Porque en verdad, en esta ciudad se unieron tanto Herodes como, pueblo, como Poncio Pilato, juntamente con los gentiles y los pueblos de Israel, contra tu santo siervo Jesús, a quien tú ungiste, para hacer cuanto tu mano y tu propósito habían predestinado que sucediera. Y ahora, Señor, considera sus amenazas y permite que tus siervos hablen tu palabra con toda confianza, mientras extiendes tu mano para que se hagan curaciones, señales y prodigios mediante el nombre de tu santo siervo Jesús. Después que oraron, el lugar donde estaban reunidos tembló y todos fueron llenos del Espíritu Santo y hablaban la palabra de Dios con valor. La congregación de los que creyeron era de un corazón y un alma y ninguno decía ser suyo lo que poesía, sino que todas las cosas eran de propiedad común. Con gran poder los apóstoles daban testimonio de la resurrección del Señor Jesús y abundante gracia había sobre todos ellos. 
No había, pues, ningún necesitado entre ellos, porque todo lo que poseían, tierras y o casas las vendían, traían el precio de lo vendido y lo depositaban a los pies de los apóstoles y se distribuía cada uno según la necesidad. Y José, un levita natural de Chipre, a quien también los apóstoles llamaban Bernabé, que traducido significa hijo de consolación, poseía un campo y lo vendía y trajo el dinero y lo depositó a los pies de los apóstoles. Acts 4, 23 through 37. When they were released, they went to their friends and reported that the chief priests and the elders had said to them. And when they had heard it, they lifted their voices together to God and said, Sovereign Lord, who made the heaven and the earth and the sea and everything in them, who through the mouth of our father David, your servant, said by the Holy Spirit, Why did the Gentiles rage and the peoples plot in vain? The kings of the earth set themselves, and the rulers were, to get, were gathered together against the Lord and against his anointed. For truly in this city there were gathered together against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed, both Herod and Pontius Pilate, along with the Gentiles and the peoples of Israel, to do whatever your hand and your plan had predestined to take place. And now, Lord, look upon their threats and grant to your servants to continue to speak your word with all boldness while you stretch out your hand to heal and signs and wonders are performed through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. And when they had prayed, the place in which they were gathered together was shaken and there they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and continued to speak the word of God with boldness. Now the full number of those who believed were of one heart and soul, and no one said that any of the things that belonged to him was his own, but they had everything in common. And with great power, the apostles were, were giving their testimony to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and great grace was upon them all. There was not a needy person among them, for as many as were owners of lands or houses sold them and brought the proceeds of what was sold and laid it at the apostles' feet, and it was distributed to each as any had need. Thus Joseph, who was also called by the apostles Barnabas, which means son of encouragement, a Levite, a native of Cyprus, sold a field that belonged to him and brought the money and laid it at the apostles' feet. This is God's word. Please be seated. There's a picture that the author wants us to have in mind, I believe, as we read this passage. There's an image that he wants etched into the hearts and minds of the reader of the early church. And the image is this. The image is the church that's down on her knees. Independence to God. With our arms open, being generous with all that God has given us, and us saying to God, God, it all belongs to you. And it all is to be used for your plan and purposes. It's the image that Luke, Dr. Luke, himself was committed to. Luke was a man who was committed to the story of the gospel. 
He was a storyteller. There are lots of stories that Luke could have told of the early church. There are lots of stories that I'm sure were in Luke's mind of how he could get into the hearts of the church what is important for the sake of the gospel spreading in those early days. There are many things that Luke chose not to tell us, but one of the things that Luke chose to tell us was a church in weakness is a church that depends upon God's grace. Do you hear me when I say that? A church in weakness is a church that is called to depend upon God for his grace. I mean, you got to think that Peter's probably feeling pretty good after the healing, right? I mean, he healed a man who was lame from birth. I mean, he's doing some Jesus stuff here. He's doing some miracles. Like, he's got, like, let's call it gangbusters for his first go-round, right? He did really, really good. He looks at a man who's lame from birth. He says, stand to your feet. He does, the guy who's healed does more than that. He starts jumping around. He starts praising God. The whole temple, which is Jewish, starts praising King Jesus. It's a pretty big deal that starts going on there. And then you've got the rough riders start coming in. The Pharisees, the Sadducees, the scribes, the religious elite of their day and time. They were the fun patrol. They didn't want anybody having fun. They didn't want any resurrection being mentioned. They had thought that they had put an end to Jesus, except there's one problem. There's an empty tomb and they can't find the body. Jesus is alive. Jesus is alive. And Peter preaches to that end and he says, you killed him. (laughs) You killed him, religious elite. Not just you, but you here today. We had our part to... In the dishonoring, in the disowning of God, ignoring God, saying God wasn't worth this. We sing the hymn that says it was my sin that held him there. If you don't see the cross as something done by you, you will never see the cross as something done for you. And Peter wanted that to be known And he wanted that to hit every person in his audience just as much as the Holy Spirit wants that to hit every one of you today. You've sinned against a holy and righteous God. And that God's judgment bears down on you or or it bears down upon Jesus. It bears down upon Jesus. And here's what God has done in my life. He's caused me to say, God, thank you for saving me. Thank you for sending your son for my sins. God, thank you for your forgiveness. I deserve what Christ received, but Christ gives me what he deserves, which is the righteousness of God in forever eternal bliss of heaven. That's what I get because he got what I deserved. And the gospel here we see as Peter is told by the religious elite of his day, by the religious establishment, those who had power. It was kind of like the Catholic Church hundreds of years ago. They had their own army. They had their own guard. It it functioned like a state. It functioned like a government. They could do what they wanted with their quote unquote citizens. They told Peter, don't speak any more of the name of Jesus. Don't speak any more of this resurrection. 
And what does Peter say to these people who apparently have all power? He says, whether it is right in the sight of God to listen to you rather than him to God, you must judge. For we cannot but speak of what we have seen and heard. In other words, Peter is saying that it is not right before the king and ruler of all to be silent. So I can't help but tell of what Jesus Christ has done. And this is why we're here today, church. We cannot help but tell what Jesus Christ has done. Which, by the way, God is a God of the nations, the generations, and the languages. Because when the church was sent forth, where did they go? They went out into a diverse community in Jerusalem. And they started speaking in other languages by which the Holy Spirit miraculously gave them utterances. And people were saved across generation, across language barriers. And there was the gospel moving forward in that miraculous way. And today we continue to speak with that boldness. And today, down on our knees, we continue to depend on the Holy Spirit so we can speak it. That's the marvel of the church. And we proclaim this message from Acts chapter 4, 12. And there is salvation in no one else. For there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. That's what we proclaim here today. Here's what I want us to do for a minute. I want you to think about the things that you have looked for to save you outside of the name of Jesus Christ in this life. Now, we can't say we haven't looked for other things, can we? I can't. How many times have I thought, man, if I just had like, let's call it a, a cool million, how, how my life would be much better, right? If I, if I, this is why the lottery is so tempting, because we think that the lottery will save us and people go broke on that savior, don't they? We do the same thing with the false saviors of our life. We think that there's a silver bullet that's going to fix our family. We think that there's a silver bullet that's going to fix our health. But what God wants us to do in the midst of our difficulties, in the midst of our opposition, in the midst of our struggles, is to be a church in prayer, a people in prayer. And they're praying with boldness, with boldness, bold prayer and bold generosity. When they were released, they got together with their friends. Who were their friends? It was their church. It was the closest people who professed the name of Jesus Christ they could find. Peter and John left prison after they were told not to preach in the name again. And what did they do? They went and prayed in the name. And they prayed with boldness. And then with one voice, they say, Sovereign Lord. Do you hear that? I can't dive into the content of this prayer nearly as much as I would like, but I want you to know that their prayers first was focused on the God who answered them. Their prayers were not focused on themselves. Their prayers were not focused on their list of things that they needed accomplished for, for their life. Their, their prayer was focused on the sovereign Lord who is the maker of the heavens and the earth. He is the divine authority above all authorities. And they are acknowledging that there is a great and glorious God who hears their great prayers. Do you want to pray big prayers, church? Then realize that you're praying to a really big 
God who can answer them. And so they pray their prayers to this great and powerful God. And they acknowledge that this God has a plan. This God has a plan. Peter doesn't get together with his friends and say, we got to come together with a plan. What does he do? He repeats to God, God's plan, acknowledging that God is the one who orchestrates all things in accordance with his plans and purposes from the foundations of the world. And in God's plan included the son of God, Jesus Christ, who would be stricken for our illness, who would be smitten for our sin. In God's plan included the 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 redemption of humanity through his son, Jesus Christ. And it didn't start with them. It started from the foundations of the earth. And you see that the Holy Spirit gave utterance to King David when he said, why did the Gentiles rage and why did the people's plot in vain? The kings of the earth set themselves and rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against his anointed. His anointing wasn't King David. King David was but a foot washer for one who had come from his line to come, who would be the king of kings and Lord of lords, who the world's face would be set in opposition towards. And this is the one they acknowledge that they are smack dab in the middle of God's plans and purposes for the redemption of humanity. The church realizes that. That God is using them in his ultimate plan to bring about redemption. And he brings in the present names of Pontius Pilate and Herod. He brings in the present names of the Israelites that were there and the Gentiles. All those who set their face against God's anointed. Peter acknowledges that those are God, those are people who God rose up that God would actually crush. That was part of God's plan. In the rest of the Psalm chapter 2, it says, He who sits in the heavens laughs. What does God do when someone threatens him? It's like me looking down at a two year old when they threaten me. They say, I'm going to beat you up. I laugh. I say, Okay, let's play this little game. God looks with derision on those who say that they are going to defeat him. It says the Lord holds them in derision. Within they speak of them in his wrath and terrify in him in his fury saying, as for me, I have set my king on Zion, my holy hill. Nothing can thwart the plans of God. And Jesus is always on the throne. Today. For our churches, we both congregations, both churches here have been through massive difficulties, hardships, trying times. But here's what we have to understand in acknowledging the plan of God is that King Jesus sits on the throne. And I want to I offer to you in closing, you see there's a plea here. There's the, 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 the plan of God that's acknowledged. There's a plea and the plea is, God, look upon these threats. Look upon these threats. Continue to move in divine wonders and miracles and grant your servants boldness in the midst of it. I think it's healthy and helpful to see that the church doesn't pray first 
for their kingdom come, but God's kingdom come. They don't pray for an alleviation of their circumstance. They pray for the advancement of God in the midst of persecution and opposition. And I think our prayer should be the same. God, we realize that your blessing comes through hardship. And would you grant us strength and boldness to withstand that blessing? And then finally, the presence of the Spirit falls upon them. The presence of the Spirit comes. And God, receiving that prayer with gladness, shakes the earth that's under them and fills them with the Holy Spirit and continues to work as the church moves forward in boldness through the presence of God. I believe today the presence of God is here. I believe today the presence of God seeks to shake the ground that's under us. Not that the ground itself would quake, but that our hearts and the things that belong to our hearts that don't belong to God are going to be stripped away and shaken away to where the only thing that remains is King Jesus. And the Holy Spirit empowers us to live for, to profess his holy and marvelous name with boldness to a world that opposes him. I'm going to ask the worship team to lead us in this song. And Pastor Miguel leads us in, in uh, the, the worship through the word of God as we continue this passage. Would you stand with us? Dear God, we thank you for the amazing thing your church can be for the power of the Spirit. And as we know your love, I pray that you will help us be a people of unity, of grace, of power, and a people that cares for one another. Uh, and we are in expectation, Lord, for you to, to see you accomplish your work through us. May this work start now as you open the hearts of your people gather here. In Jesus' name, amen. It's been a, it's been a while since I saw you preach. Oh, Pastor Ryan can preach. Yeah. <laughs> it was delightful. I loved it. Now, um, one thing I'm going to ask you guys, go ahead and bring your expectations like way down from this point on. Thank you. Throughout most of our time married, uh, my wife has been sharing her desire for us to vacation in Spain. And uh, it didn't take much for her to warm me up to the idea. Uh, what we had learned in history class and in Spanish lit, my love for flamenco music, and my fascination with all the different languages and cultures that exist there in Spain that was enough to get me excited when my in-laws treated us to a trip there four years ago. So very generous. But all the fantasizing did not even come close to how awesome it was to go there and actually experience it. The sights, the smell, the food. I mean, <laughs> no wonder the Apostle Paul wanted to go there. Now, most people, when they go there, it's hard to be neutral. They just fall in love. And, uh, and do pray for this country because it needs the gospel desperately. But now that we have visited and, and experienced Spain, it holds a very dear place in our hearts. And believe me, we're looking forward to the next time we get to visit. So as you see, information alone, as fascinating as it can be, it will never be as powerful as experience. And once the power that Jesus promised his followers became a reality, 
the early church experienced God in such an intimate and unprecedented way that this fullness of the Spirit restructured their priorities. You just heard about how they huddle after, having been, after being arrested and being harassed. And instead of lamenting their persecution, they marvel over God's sovereignty and they ask for the power to continue preaching regardless of consequences. And this is how God answered the prayer. Uh, we, you probably remember verse 31. When they had prayed, the place in which they were gathered together was shaken. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and continued to speak the word of God with boldness. So essentially, God answered the request right away. And there's something here I don't want you to miss. I believe that this literal shaking of the building was an essential part of God's uh, answer to the prayer for, for boldness. Because when you, when you feel it, when you witness God's power over his creation, when you realize that indeed Psalm 24 is right, the earth is the Lord's and everything that fills it, then you remember that this is the same power through, through which Jesus rose from the dead. And this means that you believe God when he says that we will also rise from the dead. And now our, heart, our hearts are set on eternity, and then we are set free from worshiping the same things that our culture worships. Money and possessions. And now we're able to show our unity through the power of generosity. So there's something I'd like to clarify here. Um, th this practice of generosity and mutual care and provision we're about to see here. That was a practice that was spontaneous and sincere. This has nothing in common with state and post-communist measures. In communism, the state says, what's yours is ours. <laughs> But what we see here is an example of the Spirit moving the community to say, you know, what's mine is yours. There's a huge difference there. So let us first look at the rhythm uh, in which the, the early church entered. Uh, verse 32 starts by telling us that the number of those who believed were of one heart and soul. So... The full number of those who believe, at, at, at this point, the full number of those who believe was already in the tens of thousands. We're talking about tens of thousands of people. And the greatest evidence of God's supernatural intervention is the fact that so many people could be of one heart and one soul. That's amazing. I mean, I, for one, I am unable to generate that kind of consensus and enthusiasm with the six people at home. What we are seeing here is gospel unity. These were different people from different nationalities who spoke different languages, as you could see in chapter 2. But because of the preaching of the gospel, all of them had been equally cut to the heart. And after years of ceremonies, after years of sacrifices, all of them finally knew what it was like to have a restored relationship with their Creator. They were finally experiencing that. And that, that, therefore, this gospel unity resulted in this, in this rhythm, in this circle of grace. The passage goes on to describe it. Um, it says, And no one said that any of the things that belonged to him was his own, but they had everything in common. And with great power, the apostles were giving their testimony to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and great grace was upon them all. So this whole community enters into what I would call this gospel loop. A loop of receiving grace, caring for the community, 
proclaiming Jesus, receiving grace, caring for the community, proclaiming Jesus, so on and so forth. And when people saw that, no one could look at this and not realize that Jesus was no longer dead. You couldn't deny the obvious. So the result of Jesus being alive was an amazing, was an unusual, was a supernatural sense of community. Verse 34 goes on to say, There was not a needy person among them, for as many as were owners of lands or houses sold them and brought the proceeds of what was sold and laid it at the apostles' feet, and it was distributed to, to each as any had need. These were people who, were, who belonged to different social classes, and yet there was not a needy person among them. Not one was needy. So the only thing I can, I can ask myself when I see this, is this something you wish you'd see here? Espanol, is that something you want to see? If you really are believers, the solution is easy. Become involved in the community group that you should be part of. Become involved in the community group you should be part of. Become involved. Be known. Be seen. You will get to know people. You will get to love people. And as a result, you will look out for them. People will get to know you. People will get to love you. And as a result, they will look out for you. If you do not actively insert yourself into community life, don't expect this to, ha to happen to you. Simple. Amen? Well, in the context of community, you will get to experience God's transforming grace. Uh, both through mutual care and also by, by seeing actual examples of what the right response should be to this transforming grace. Verse 36 says, Thus Joseph, who was also called by the apostles Barnabas, which means son of encouragement, a Levite, a native of Cyprus, sold the field that belonged to him and brought the money and laid it at the apostles' feet. There have been times where I have seen the, the grace of God move in an initial way so that people will respond to it and people will obey it radically. And then someone in the group goes, goes ahead and responds to that grace in a way that sticks out. And it, the, the grace is such that you look at that person and you, and you go, man, I, I wish I thought of that, you know, with, with, with the best intention ever in your heart. Because when we realize that God himself is our treasure, all the things of this world that used to impress us now get the, uh, the, the true price tag. And you realize what has eternal value. And that gives us the freedom to take our convictions to the furthest degree. But when we see this happen, when we see people responding this way, We need to be careful not to be impressed by the same things that impress our society. Our attention can't go to the response. Our attention must go to the reason for that, for that response. Why is that? Well, it doesn't matter how generous we are. It doesn't matter how, how much a response calls attention. If we obey God for any other reason than responding to his saving grace, that means that the motivation for our obedience is the praise of men. Is the acceptance of man. But everything we do, even our service to God, it needs to be a response to the realization that if we are in Christ, we are already starting from a position of acceptance by God. Then and only then, everything we'll do is going to be based on our convictions and not on what everybody else is doing. 
Gospel unity is not a result of seeking to be artificially connected to one another. Gospel unity is the result of setting our eyes on the Savior together. In, this, in, in his book, The Pursuit of God, the late pastor and author A.W. Tozer writes the following. Has it ever occurred to you that 100 pianos all tuned to the same fork are automatically tuned to each other? They are of one accord by being tuned, not to each other, but to another standard to which each one must individually vow. So 100 worshipers that have met together, each one looking away to Christ, are in heart nearer to each other than they could possibly be were they to become unity conscious and turn their eyes away from God to strive for closer fellowship. This is exactly what the believers, the first believers did when they huddle and when they asked God to give them boldness to continue to preach. They realized that the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus was the one treasure that they all, they all had in common. It was the treasure they had in common. And proclaiming what Jesus has done became more precious than their freedom. And at that point, God shook the ground where they stood. And they were set free to use their resources for the benefit of the kingdom of God. So I'd like to invite you at this point to receive God's grace as we remember the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, your, your word reminds us that where our hearts are, that's where our treasure is. I pray that you would open our eyes and I, I, I would pray that you would give us an appetite for you. So we would taste and see that you are indeed good. Father, you know each one of us here. Some of us, our foundations are being shaken. And some of us need our foundations shaken, Lord. I pray that you will help us see that you are the only solid ground. I pray, Father, that by standing in you, we would stand firmly at all times. I pray, Father, that the world would see that you are most precious treasure to us. We pray in the name of your Son, Jesus. Amen. Let's stand together.